If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 2. Um, and today I want to talk about uh, um, a mother's prayers. Um, they, are, they are definitely powerful and um, priceless, but um, one unique thing about moms, uh, you know, you have, uh, sorry, 1 Samuel chapter 2. Go to the second, second chapter there. Um, but one, I love my mom, and I'm glad that she is not here today, because uh, I get to say some stories. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to razz my mom too much, um, but uh, we'll, we'll see about that. I got spies in here. That's what it is. There's some of you that are spying for my mom. Uh, but uh, no, she's uh, she's getting to spend some time with my sister. Uh, they're having Mother's Day lunch together, so that'll be fun for her. But the thing about moms is that um, we know that moms are very caring and nurturing and loving and stuff like that. Um, but I I notice for myself whenever I think of my mom, first thing I think of is uh, she makes me laugh. Uh, if you don't know who my mom is, uh, she definitely has done her fair share of dramas and skits, uh, and that's just inside the house. And then outside the house, she does dramas and skits as well. Um, uh, one of her uh, favorite skits is um, listening to God, um, or God is calling. And so, you know, she prays a prayer. It's her and my, my dad, who is an older, elderly couple, you know, in rocking chairs and knitting a blanket, uh, actually crocheting this, like, really long scarf that's too long for anyone to ever wear. But because she just keeps, because she has no one to give it to, she just keeps crocheting it. Anyway, uh, but she prays. She's like, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to do something for you. Uh, and uh, so she gets a phone call right there, and it's God. And God's like, hey, uh, I, I heard your prayer. I, am, I want you to pay attention because I have something for you. Uh, but I'll, I'll, give you a, I'll, I'll give you a call in a second. So she, she hangs up. She's like, ooh, God's going to call me back. And then there's a knock on the door. And it's someone that's homeless that needs some help. And she's like, I'm sorry, I'm too busy. I'm waiting on a call from God. And so, and then there's a couple of other situations, but this idea, though, that when you, ha when you hear God and you pray to God, you should expect an answer from God. The problem is, is that we think or we expect certain things a certain way, and we miss it completely when God is doing something. And so we need to be led by the Holy Spirit in there. Um, you know, in, we're obviously in Samuel here, Samuel's mother was Hannah, and Hannah prayed a prayer. Why? Because she couldn't have any kids. She was getting picked on from uh, the other wife of her of her husband. I think it's uh, Elka or something like that. Anyway, uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, as they're going through there, right, and she's getting made fun of all the time, and she's like. She, one time when they go to worship God at the temple, she just cries out to him. This is the whole first chapter, okay? I'm just giving you a synopsis, setting up the scene. And she's, she bitterly cries out, so much so that they think that the priest thinks that she's drunk. Now, I've never prayed harder, hard enough for someone to be like, man, you are drunk praying. But that's got to be some serious prayer. And... 
And so Eli, the priest, the high priest at the time, was like, you know what? God's going to hear your prayer. Go on back home, and, and God will answer it. And so God does. He hears her. And it's interesting because before she even starts this process, the Bible clearly states that the Lord chose her womb and made it barren. Sometimes we go through problems, and it's because God has something greater in store for us later. And it might not even be for you. It could be for the next generation. That God needed a Samuel because the priests were clearly not doing the right job. And so he needed someone outside of the Levite family to be brought in because God appointed Samuel to anoint kings. All because, and Hannah had to be barren in order to pray hard enough to be willing to give up her firstborn child. There is... Now, I love my kids, but I don't, that would be tough. Especially when it's the miracle kid. The answer to prayer. Yes, I have a child now, and I'm going to give it to you, God, and never have it again. To walk away from it because she believed enough for God. So she leaves Samuel there with Eli after he's been weaned and he's, he's ready to go. They go and they worship, and then they leave Samuel there. And then you kind of hear the story kind of growing up back and forth between Eli's, and there's this huge kind of contrast between Eli's sons and Samuel, who's clearly listening from God. But I wanted to notice, and then you get Hannah's prayer, which is a beautiful prayer, but What's interesting in chapter 2 there about her prayer is not so much that it's focused on her or on her son. The whole prayer is focused on the Lord. And when we pray, we need to be able to go to God without our own intentions first. When we pray, when and let's be honest, that's how mothers pray, right? When you pray for your kid, you're not praying for you, you're praying for them. You want them to succeed, right? It's not about you. It's about them. And so what can we learn from this prayer is that we need to focus on God. God, you are the one, and, and she has it. I don't even have this in my, these are, all this is free, by the way. Um, but verse 10, okay? I don't even have this on the screen, so you'll have to, you actually have to read it today, Okay? It says, those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. You know, she knows that if you go against God, it's going to be foolish. And for her, she, she understands her place in everything. That God, you are God, and you have full control over everything. And so when you, when you understand, when you come to God, when you pray, first Know your position with him, right, is to know that. But I want to pick up the story a few more verses down, okay? So jump down to verse 18. Verse 18. Because like I said, you go back and forth after Hannah prayed this and dedicated Samuel, 
Then she leaves. The boy's ministering with Eli. Then you have the wicked sons. But then we jump to verse 18, and it says this. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephrod. Each year, his mother made him a little robe and took it with him, and she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Verse 20, Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children for this woman to take place of the one you, she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. That's a powerful statement there, to grow up in the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would hide me behind the cross today. God, let you would be glorified. Anoint my tongue to speak your truth, not mine. I pray, Lord, that you would open up our ears, open up our hearts, open up our minds, that we would receive your word. It would take root and change our lives forever. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. One unique thing is, you know, we, we talk about Hannah being, you set up that whole story of how she dedicates Samuel, and this is awesome. But then, like, there's other parts of the story. And so, I know my mom gave me some TLC growing up. You know, so she, she tenderly, lovingly cared for me, uh, enough to discipline me, enough to, you know, watch out for me, you know, say, hey, Roger, that stove is hot, don't touch it, you know, but more than just standing right next to me, you know, Roger! Um, but that TLC that she gave me, and so as moms, I know that you give TLC, but let's have some TLC from a godly perspective, okay? So moms, I wanna challenge you. I know that you do a lot. I see a lot that's being done, and that's awesome. But let me challenge you with some, some TLC today. First, never stop teaching. Never stop teaching. I, I notice, I see here with Hannah that Hannah keeps teaching Samuel faithfulness. Did you see this? Like she gives Samuel away, but then she comes back every single year. Why? Because they do their annual sacrificing. So Samuel would have known who this woman was. It's not like she just dropped him off and walked away. No, she kept teaching him things. And I'm guessing Samuel probably... Now, this is completely inference, okay? This is just me reading the scripture. I, I'm not saying I have a word of God, woo, like God didn't boom this to me, okay? What, I'm, what I see here, though, is probably Samuel got made fun of. He got left behind because he got a new robe once a year from his mom. He probably was, because he wasn't a Levite, he would have been an honorary Levite, Right? someone that was given to do service, but good enough to get a linen ephrod. Okay, if you don't know what an ephrod is, it was a special breastplate that was made for the high priest, and it had 12 jewels on it, one for each tribe. It was gold, it was beautiful, but it was probably, but that was more of the ceremonial one that they would have used at special feasts and stuff like that. On a regular basis, other priests would have used a more linen ephrod, 
okay? Just a cloth one. To signify that they were being, that they were doing priestly duties, but not the special one, right? Plus then, he ministered uh, not just at this, at this point, the temple hadn't been created, right? This is pre-Kings, okay? So the, there's no temple. They're still worshiping the tabernacle, but there's other spots that they could worship. There's one at Silo. Um, there's uh, different places that they could go and do sacrifices. And so as they go, he would have done priestly duties, but his mom brought him a robe every time. He probably was, was he probably didn't have a whole lot of money because his family wasn't there with him all the time. And if you pay attention to Eli's sons, they probably took a lot of things before it got down to him. So, I mean, could you imagine how fast kids grow and then to get one robe a year? I mean, man, you're wearing some high waters there, buddy. Those are some high water robes, right? Like, come on. Those are dingy. Man, you got holes in places. You shouldn't have holes in those. You know, because he was just there, but yet she never stopped teaching faithfulness to be consistent, right? I'm sure Samuel probably was like, Mom, please take me with you. I'm, I'm tired. I don't want to be here. I dedicated you, kid. Let me tell you that story again. I, I, I cried for years for you, and God said that you were special. Sometimes we need to constantly hear stories told over us again and again. You need to constantly tell stories over your children again and again. I've prayed for you for this. You know, I, I think it kind of scared my wife a little bit. But, and I don't know if it was right before we got, like when we were engaged or when we were first married. But I remember my, my wife kind of being a little shocked when my mom told her, I've been praying for you. Since, since Roger was a kid. I've been praying for his spouse for over 20 years because I know how important a spouse is for a happy life and for ministry and for whatever God has for him. And I've been praying for you. To be told that story, to be known that someone's been praying for me and they didn't even know who I was. That's the type of faithfulness. That's the type of things that are consistently when you teach your kid. She kept teaching him about worship, that worship was important. You know, she, the annual sacrifice. Look, I'm sure that there were some people in Israel that didn't care about the annual sacrifices. There were some, they didn't have the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was kind of bouncing around to different places. It was like, yeah. And, and they even tried to use it as a trophy for war. They got beat up by the Philistines, and then they're like, the Eli's sons are like, well, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant down there. Maybe God will do something. And they lose it. They didn't care as much. And, and the wickedness of Eli's sons was so rampant that it was a joke. Some of it was a joke to people. But Hannah kept teaching that. And then Hannah would have had to teach sacrifice. Because when... When she's teaching, she'd have to leave him every year. I'm sure that's got to be tough for Hannah, especially if he was getting picked on and made fun of and getting the scraps. God, you said you would take care of him. He's yours. Why are you doing this to him? 
God, I, I put my trust in you. But she knew her position. She knew that God was, God gives life, God gives death. It's in her prayer. She knows that God opposes those who go against him. So as a mom, never stop teaching. Even today, Hannah's teaching us. T.L., never stop living. It's important, moms, to not be caught up with your kids as your life. There are so many, and let me just say this, there's a lot of people that wish happiness for their kids. That's really not the best option for them. I do not want my kids to be happy. I want my kids to be holy. I want my kids to care more about God than they do about what makes them feel good. Notice the difference between Eli's sons and Samuel here. Eli's sons were happy. They took, they took everything. They were supposed to, what they were supposed to do, it talks about here, I'm pulling a lot of reference. You can read uh, 1 Samuel 1, 2, and 3. But part of this is they're supposed to let the fat render and burn the offering, okay? Now, I get it. Some people like more rare meats than well-dones, okay? And then the priest was supposed to eat the meat, but it was supposed to be cooked for so much and so long. But Eli's sons would just pull it off too soon. All the sacrifices, they just like, oh, just put it on there, take it off. Because it's better. It tastes better. They weren't doing the job right. They were being happy, not holy. They weren't following God's. And not just that, but <laughs> they said that they would take, be, have their way with women at the, at the temple. Because they wanted to be happy, not holy. Listen, if your desire for your kid is to be happy, happiness is fleeting. Your de- desire should for them to be is to be holy. To be, to be different in this world. To not just for success. I don't want my kids to be successful. I want them to be godly. I want them to listen to God and do what God has for them. Whether that's being a janitor somewhere, or being a missionary, or being the best CEO. It doesn't matter, but to be the best that they can be as God designed them to be. Because God doesn't make junk And he's only given my kids to me as a steward to make them, to show them God's path. But Hannah also kept on going on with her life. She had more kids. She had a total of five others. Three boys, two girls. Right? She continued on with her husband. She had to leave Samuel and continued with her life. She continued on with her kids. and, And with that, there's, there's a key part here, that if you are consumed with your children, there's a number of people that get divorced after their kids leave. Because, oh, we don't care, I'm not happy anymore, and we were just together because of the kids. How much pressure did that put on them? That they were the glue for, for your, your responsibility and your relationship. Now listen... I'm not trying to be condemning. I'm not trying to say shame on you. What I am trying to do is to let you know that your life is more important than just your kids. 
And moms, you need to be able to share that as well. You need to be able to say, hey, I have hobbies and dreams and desires of my own. I want to be able to fulfill those. There might have to be sacrifices. I remember the very first time we found out we were pregnant, my wife goes, I am a mom. When, it was, when Titus was in the womb. And we made sacrifices, right? We, we had only one income for a while because I'm a mom first. I tell you what, it was really interesting when it came to potty training. I walk into the bathroom and there's my son. I was like, oh, you know how to do that now. Okay, great. Right? Because she worked really hard in training our kids. And she, she spent a lot of time and energy. Now, she has completely, she's got her own job. She's got her degree. We had to put that on pause for a while. I'm not saying that there isn't sacrifices because you should take care of your kids and your responsibility. But what I'm saying, though, is that if you, so one, don't neglect, but also don't neglect yourself. You need to be able to have a relationship with God. You need to be the one to, to be able to have your own life outside of there. That will teach your kids a lot more than just always about them. Because when it's all about them, then they get sent. It's, well, it's whatever's good for me. Listen, there are some times that we say, hey, guess what? Dinner's not going to be for another hour. Why? Because mommy and daddy are out. We'll be home in an hour. You will get food. We'll bring food to you. Don't worry. We will take care of you. But we are on a date. Now, a lot of our dates just are shopping, but that's just because we get to some time alone. But, but the flowers look really pretty at other stores. Anyway, I just, I can't stress this enough that please don't let your kids, as soon as you become a mom, no one's ever going to change that title of you. You will always have a kid. You will always be a mother. But allow yourself to have a life you're, that's unique. And then CTLC, never stop caring. This one's probably going to be the easiest one for your moms, <laughs> right? You're like, well, duh, I'm not going to stop caring for my kid. See, Hannah displays that she always loved her kid because she would always come back and bring him a robe every year, right? She always came back. She always showed him that she cared for him, even though he was away. Even though she couldn't be there all every day, all days, she couldn't kiss his boo-boos, right? She couldn't be there for his, you know, for other, I don't know, all the different, I'm sure she had some different firsts, but, you know, there's some unique times in a kid's life, some monumental times that she had to give up but she always cared for him. And isn't that like God? He always cares for us. He never stops loving us. Right? I, I don't look at the worship and then go, okay, let me write my sermon based off of this. But this is awesome that we talked about being a child of God and it's Mother's Day. I know that my mom always loved me. I also knew a lot of times how my mom would react. There was a time when I was supposed to be picking up my sister from piano lessons. <laughs> Oops is, is not even the right word. Um, but I was with my girlfriend instead uh, and not paying attention to the clock. 
And so then I, uh, so then I like get outside to, to get back in the car, and there I see my mom driving by with my sister. And I'm like, yeah, I'm probably going to have to break up with you because uh, uh, I may not be alive tomorrow because um, my life is, is going to expire pretty soon. Because um, just I knew how my mom would react. But even in that regard, I knew she cared for me. I knew that God cares for me because of that example of a motherly love. And then also, I love that Hannah paid attention to details. She knew exactly what her son needed, even though she was away. I'm sure that first time she goes back and there's a robe that's not fitting him, that ain't going to be my boy next time. He's going to have clothes every time I come. She paid attention to details. God pays attention to details, too. It was spoken over today, but God cares. I was telling my son this, this week. My, my son has some um, unique times with understanding why education is important. Why, why do I need a pegorithm theory? I can't even say it right. You know, why, why do I need to learn science and social studies? Why do I need history? It's like, why did God put genealogies in the Bible? If I'm reading and playing, man, those things take forever to read. Because <sighs> I can't pronounce the names. Ashgot, Begot, da, 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 and I was like, oh, whatever. But God cares about details. He cares about lineage. Just look at Paul talking to Timothy. Look, your, your grandmother gave, you, gave her mother faith, and the mother gave you faith, which I know is not in you. There is something about lineage faith that's important. This pulpit here was actually uh, dedicated to my great-grandfather. This was a pulpit that was at Toledo first for a long time. Now, he wasn't a preacher, but he did care. And if you know anything, this is because of cookies. A neighbor cared enough about, about my great-grandmother to give her a plate of cookies after her pregnancy was tough. And invited her to church. And now, four generations later, there's something unique about generational history that's there. God cares about details. So, how do we do TLC? I've been telling moms to never stop. I know you're not going to. But what's about the rest of the story? Let me challenge you with mothering, motherhood mentoring today. See, some of you are you're like, my kids are done grown. I did my job. I'm done. Whew. I still get a birthday card every year. But it changes, right? The phases of motherhood changes, of parenting. You know, what I do with my two-year-old is different than how I treat my 13-year-old and how different I treat my 27-year-old, which I don't have yet. But it constantly changes. But motherhood can always be mentored to someone else. We have some young moms in this church that could use a motherly influence sometimes. I, the number of people that cared about me in my church growing up, I remember this lady named Jean, great pancakes, took the recipe to her grave. I don't know why she did. They were amazing. 
great pancakes. But every time I saw her, hygiene, did you brush your teeth? And she's like, eh, I did. Did you? Every Sunday. Because I knew I had someone who cared for me. Enough to let me brush my teeth. There's something about mentoring others. The generational peace that comes into there. That one is in your family, but that you can also help other mothers do. Especially ones that want to live in the faith. And you could be like, hey, let me help you. Let me mother you as well. Because here's the rest of the story about Eli and his sons. Verse 22. Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all of Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So he said to them, why are you doing such things? I hear from all people about your, these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, the report I hear spending among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke, for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. 26, and the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. That sounds familiar to Luke 2.52. But Eli didn't get it. His job as high priest was to intercede for the people with the Lord. He was supposed to be the one to fill in the gap there. He was supposed to intercede for the wickedness of not only himself, but of his sons. And it was a missed opportunity as a parent. He was supposed, and his lineage got cut off because of it. Moms, I know that you pray for your kids. You pray for them more every day than anyone will ever know. And you pray for the kids of this church I mean, Jackie's been doing amazing, giving scriptures to pray over students. That's awesome. We appreciate it. That's the TLC that we need. But please make sure you stand in the gap for those that need it the most. Mentor young mothers. It is our duty to pass on generational faith. So I challenge you today to continue never stop.